Rhonda. It is an honor to raise up children that when they graduate from high school, they are drug-free, alcohol-free, and still a virgin. Several years ago, runner-up for Miss America. Go ahead, give a little hand clap appreciation. Several years ago, the runner-up for Miss America, a lifelong friend, called me and said, Hank, Pat Robertson has asked me to come and sing at the school. They want my resume. Like yours, I didn't do drugs, I didn't go to jail, I didn't carry a gun, didn't do any of that. I don't really have a story to tell. And I said, Marlisa Ball, the greatest testimony any young person could ever have to say, I never did drugs, I never got drunk, I was a virgin on my wedding night. What a great testimony that is. And Tiffany, you walk in that honor and favor. There's anointing attached to virginity. God honors that and God blesses that. And it was a joy to see your mom yesterday and all of the little ones. There's only one child in America named after me, and Pastor Todd named Dave. Am I telling the truth? Named Davis after me. And it was good to see Davis, although he's quite tall now. And it was an honor, and we honored. I just, I just crashed. You heard of wedding crashers? I crashed all the graduations yesterday. We went to Ada Burger at one, went with Judy Jacobs, Ada Burger there, and, yeah. and uh, had fun. And that was a. Uh, is I, I'm going to do more of those those graduation crashers because that's some good. That was some good eating. We honor every mom. Uh, there's there's so so many things that we'd like to say or do. But Proverbs 31, when King Lim was talking about his mom and shared all the great things that she did and she had she had become. I, I praise God that Ron and I came from such good families, good moms, good dads. My mom never worked, and when I came from home from school, she got up in the morning after she taught me how to do the homemade oatmeal, then I was on my own, but she got up every morning, cooked breakfast, and every day when I got home, after they got done watching Dark Shadows, then she came in and helped me with my homework, and uh, I, I got very good grades in high school. My mom, uh, there's not a crossword puzzle too hard for my mom. There really isn't. I've tried to buy the hardest, most difficult puzzle. We go over once in a while, watch Jeopardy. Mom gets about one-third of the answers, and it's, uh, it's a joy to come from such good stock, and we honor. If it wasn't for your mom, most of you wouldn't be here today. I know, I know some of that. we got a couple that's been hatched out. There's a couple hatched out, but, but uh, we thank God for... For our moms, and we thank God for Tennessee women. Go ahead, give it up for Tennessee women. Three guys got married on a Friday afternoon. A guy from Michigan, a guy from Texas, and a guy from Tennessee. The guy from Michigan got up, told his wife, said, I want you to clean the house, wash the dishes, cook my meal, make my bed. First day, didn't see anything. Second day, didn't see anything. Third day, house was clean, food was cooked. He was impressed. The guy from Texas told his Texas bride, said, today, I want you to wash the car, wash the clothes, make my lunch, make supper when I come home. First day, didn't see anything. Second day, didn't see anything. Third day, came, car was washed, food was cooked, he was blessed. The guy from Tennessee had the courage to tell his Tennessee bride, I want you to wash the bass boat, I want you to wash my clothes, I want you to sort out all my socks, I want you to cook dinner, and I want you to, I want you to smooch with me tonight. And so first day, didn't see anything. Second day, didn't see anything. By the third day, the swelling had gone down in his left eye, and he could barely see, but he's still having problems using the bathroom. <laughs> so I thought I would share that, that Tennessee joke. Oh, the angel, did you get it? Swelling the eye by the third day. Oh, no if you have a weapon with you today, would you please go with me to Proverbs, the 27th chapter. And when you find Proverbs 27, if you will go to Luke 10, we're going to look at two particular passages of Scripture today. It's always an honor to uh, have the opportunity to bless this house with a fresh word. This is a fresh word. I have never shared this word before. God gave it to me this week for you. Some things I observed, some things I encountered this week uh, brought several of these things to attention. And I think if it, if it fed me and blessed me, I'm praying that it will feed you and it will bless you. There is a title this morning. The, the title of my message is not, Who's Your Daddy? The title of my message is, Who's Your Neighbor? Who's Your Mom Be Good Too? Why do I think of that? Who's Your Mama? Who, who's Your Neighbor? Look at somebody and say, Who's Your Neighbor? Pastor A.C. was going to try to get a song for this special occasion. And I wanted to do that song by the Who. Who are you? Boop, boop. 
anyway, we didn't have time to get that together. But I do need to brag on Pastor A.C. How many are aware that Hillsong has greatly changed, revised, and blessed the praise and worship of most sanctuaries of the nation? How many understands that and realizes that? And we thank God that we use a lot of those songs. God has blessed those songs. A representative from Hillsong has contacted Pastor A.C. And the song we did this morning, Cast Me Not Away, they want to put that, and they wanted to write three more songs and put a compilation together. And this is an open door. We're praying that God would just open it wide and allow him to step through, that he would still, you know, wear a size 10 hat, that he wouldn't get all puffed up and swelled up, because pride comes for a fall of the day. He got a little prideful, fell the tree stands, and got home with him. But don't you don't you appreciate the... the uh, uh, we took him to the restaurant the other day, and we had to show, you know, wipe, show the menu with him and told the waitress, my great-grandpa, just have pity on a little bit, so they did. But I am so pleased of the, the quality of excellence that this praise and worship team, the, the sound system, the lights, and all of that, they go to great, great depth and length that you would be blessed. And I praise God for that, and praise God that we get to step in the presence of God. The Bible says, whatever you do, do it in excellence. If you're going to do it, do it right. We never have time to do something right, but we always have time to do it over. And thank God for those that do it right the first time. If I started mentioning names, I would miss somebody. But all of our guests, such an honor to have you with us this morning. And we're a little older now. When we were young, in the early days on Mother's Day, we didn't have anybody because everybody went to be with their mother on Sunday. Now that we got our own moms and we got our grandkids and are here, we thank God that you are here today. Proverbs, the 27th chapter, and the 10th verse. Thine own friend, and thy father's friend, forsake not. Neither go into thy brother's house in the day of thy calamity. Look at somebody and say, my family don't want to hear my woes. For better is a neighbor that is near than a brother that is far off. For better is a neighbor that is near than a brother that is far off. I have the kind of neighbors that I can actually go and borrow a cup of sugar. How quaint is that? I also have neighbors that I can go borrow a gallon of gasoline. How cool is that? The Bible says better is a neighbor that is near than a brother that's far off. When you're in trouble, when you're stressed, when things are going on, thank God there are people in your life that are close that you can ask to pray with you, share with you, and borrow a cup of sugar. Ironically, the word neighbor or neighbors is found 158 times in the Bible. I was impressed. I was unaware that so much emphasis was placed on neighbors. We know that in the Ten Commandments it says, Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. As you look to the Word of God, it says that you are not to judge your neighbor, you're not to rebuke your neighbor, you're not to fraud your neighbor. You're not to deceive your neighbor. You're not to bear false witness against your neighbor. You're not to hate your neighbor. You're not to rise against your neighbor. You're not to trespass against your neighbor. Devise no evil toward your neighbor. Despise not your neighbor. Flatter not your neighbor. And envy not your neighbor. Eight times Jesus said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. James said it once. Paul said it four times. Another commandment says, Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife, thy neighbor's house, or anything of thy neighbor's. Twenty times the word of God warns us not to lie with our neighbor's wife. The Bible says that we are to speak a sevenfold blessing on our neighbor. And so this morning, I'm sure that every single one of you have a neighbor story. I'm sure something's happened growing up, wherever you've lived, whatever drama that you've gone through. I'm sure that somewhere involved, there's a good neighbor story. I remember my first neighbor story. When I was four years of age, I was in the backyard playing, and my neighbor's kid was a little older than me, and he gave me a Coke bottle stuffed with grass, and he had a cigarette light and set it on fire. And through the fence, my shirt caught on fire, and it could have really been a bad, bad scene. But my God, Wonder Woman, my mom, was in the kitchen washing dishes. She saw me on fire, ran out, wrapped me in a, in a, in a, in a, in a throw rug, and spared my life. When the doctor said that I would have scars my whole life when they cut through the bandages. There were no scars because my mom and dad believed in prayer, the power of prayer. And the saints began to unite together. 
and I remember when they cut that, they cut that off. I was expecting to look down and see a horrible, but it's an awesome chest. It's a very beautiful and handsome, and God has been so good to bless me that. I remember my second neighbor story, and mom and dad will remember this, on Main Street, we had a neighbor that was crabby. Her husband was crabby. They were mean. They were, they were, they were always griping about something. And I was the kind of kid, when I went home after school, we played ball. We played catch. We played, we played football. We played basketball. There was always some kind of ball involved. And in the backyard, the backyard wasn't that big. When the ball would go over the neighbor's fence, she wouldn't give it back. She hoarded my ball. She hoarded my toys. I mean, I, mean, I really think that she didn't like us at all. One day, Mom and Dad, I believe it was New Year's, no, it was around the 4th of July, Mom and Dad went off and left us with the babysitter from the church, and we had this wild idea, Jerry, that we were going to take sparklers, and we lit these sparklers, and we threw them in the air, it was so cool, until it landed on the neighbor's awning and burnt the awning to the ground. My first experience with the police, I did not get arrested because the police couldn't find me. I crawled under my bed and was under my bed the whole time the police were there. I remember uh, about four or five years ago, I harvested a real nice deer and we pulled, if you've ever been out to the ranch where the spillway is, where the water flows off, we stopped the truck there, we put the tailgate down and there we gutted the, gutted the deer and threw all of the guts to the catfish and fed the catfish. It's called the circle of life. Uh, you may as well deal with it because it's going to happen. And so I went up and we took the deer, we hung it up, and we got ready to dress it out. Well, I left. 30 minutes later, the police show up with their hands on their guns. My neighbor, uh, a woman who had bought a lot from me, a doctor in, in Chattanooga, I think she's a pediatrician. My neighbor thought, are you ready for this? that we had murdered somebody and we laid him on the tailgate of the truck and threw him in the catfish pond. So the police come and of course we did not kill anybody. The deer's hanging up and, and, my, and the, the cop goes, oh my God, how do you put up with someone like that? Well, now I have a neighbor. I have not mowed my yard in 12 years. I have not bought gasoline for the, for the equipment to mow my yard in 12 years. I have got one of the kindness. He's a Vietnam vet. He got wounded in the war. And I, I had opportunity to minister to him. We love him. He's very precious. Uh, we would do anything for him. I told you several months ago, he came over. And he said, Mr. Davis, he said, if I ever go to church, I'm going to go to your church. You're the only true Christian I've ever met in the city. And I said, Larry, I'm so sorry to hear that because there are some great people in this city. There are great Christians, but I, I'm glad that you can see the reflection of Christ in, in my life. I, I thank God for that. So this morning, everybody probably has a neighbor story. But in the, answering the question, who is your neighbor, if you'll go with me to Luke, the 10th chapter, and I believe the guys are going to try to pull that up in the King James Version. Many of you may wonder why I stay in the King James. The first five years of ministry, I committed over 3,000 scripture to memory from the King James, and since I've memorized over 1,000, and I've learned so much from the King James, I just don't want to switch. Besides, the Amplified is real wordy, and the other versions take out the thee and the thou, and I love the poetry of the New Testament. Can anybody relate? Whither thou goest, thee and thou, uh, all that stuff. I love all that. I love that poetic. So I want to share this morning in, in, in Luke, the 10th chapter, and I want to begin in the 25th verse. And if you guys want to read along with me or read the screens as they have they've got it up there. And behold, listen, anytime you find the word behold in the New Testament, it's a revelation. It's something that you should reach out, reach out and research because there's something not just visual, but there's something hidden in this text. And the Bible says there was a certain lawyer. Look at someone say, there was a certain lawyer. This is not a parable. This is a story that actually took place and really did happen. And stood up and tempted him. This is not the first time that Jesus has been tempted. You're reminded of the temptation in the wilderness, which we will refer to a little later in this passage. A certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said unto him, What is written in the law? How readest thou? Now, those of you that have never been to Israel, you've never studied anything concerning the, uh, the, the Hebraic faith, in the Old Testament, they wore on their wrist, it was not a watch, it was called a phylactery. And on the phylactery were written the words of God, and was written this 
particular passage of scripture. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy strength and with all thy mind and, look at somebody say, and thy neighbor as thyself. And he, Jesus, said unto him, Thou hast answered right, this do, and thou shalt live. So, right answer, the guy had it written on his wrist, shared with Jesus, you're supposed to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your strength, all your soul, all your mind, and your neighbor and yourself. But he, willing to justify himself, said unto Jesus, And who is my neighbor? And obviously, that's where I got the title of my thought today, Who is your neighbor? And Jesus answered and said, watch this, a certain man. Look at someone and say, either there was or there wasn't. Jesus says there was. So I believe there was. A certain man who went down from Jerusalem, Jericho, and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise, a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, look at somebody and say, a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him, and went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast, and brought him to an inn, and took care of him. And on the morrow, look at somebody say tomorrow, on the morrow when he departed, he took out two pence and gave them to the host and said unto him, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. Which now of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? And he said, The lawyer, he that showed mercy on him, then said Jesus unto him, Go and do likewise. What a powerful, incredible, phenomenal story in the New Testament. A story that we've shared over and over and over again. Even the secular world knows the story of the Good Samaritan. The secular world knows the story of a guy who went out of his way to take care of somebody that he didn't know. And the revelation of this passage of Scripture, we realize that this is the neighbor that Jesus is referring to. When Jesus said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, it's not necessarily your grandma he's encouraged you to love. It's not your sister or your niece or your best friend. Those people are easy to love. But the book of Matthew, Jesus says, The ones that despise you, the ones that hate you, the ones that say evil against you, you shall forgive them and love them. If you weren't here the past two Wednesday nights, the teaching on the bait of Satan, and the week before, Pastor Juan was teaching on forgiveness, you have missed a great truth because Jesus said, if you can't forgive your brother, then I can't forgive you. The Bible says that whatever we bind in earth is bound in heaven. Whatever we loose on earth is loose in heaven. And we see that God put us here on this earth as a light in a dark place. We are a candle that's not to be hid. We are, we are salt. We are to we are cause people two things, to make the word favorable and to make people thirsty. Our lives should be such a reflection of the life of Christ that people would see our life become jealous and, and want to know what kind of drugs we're taking. Have you ever had anybody come and say, what are you on? What, what, why are you so hyper? What, what did you? And, and it's like, it's like there's no, it says no with drugs or alcohol. Is that Christ, the hope of glory, lives in me. And the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in me. You ask me why I'm happy. Why sometimes I always shout. Because God put something in my heart that I can shout about. I met him at a mourner's bench where I knelt down to pray. And, that, and since then, this is my story. This is my song. I'm washed in his blood. I'm born of the spirit. I'm a child of the Father. I'm headed to heaven to hang with a man called Jesus. A place called heaven forever. I have the right to be excited. And a lot of times the world doesn't want anything to do with us because we're boring. We're lethargic. We're, 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 we gossip. We fuss. We gripe. Who wants to hang around someone that gripes all the time? Who wants to hang around someone that does not realize who they are in Christ? I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. My God shall supply all my need. I should be happy. I should reflect the love of God and the joy of God. Well, that was all a side note. That didn't cost you anything. This is what's going to cost you. I want to go back to verse 
8.30, I will remind me, remind me not to complete this message until I talk about a certain lawyer. I want to make this story a little bit more paraphrased, and I want to bring it where we live, and I want to put my slant on it. Can I do that? This is not anybody else's slant, Pastor A.C., this is my slant, and this is what I believe that God showed me when we're talking about who is our neighbor, how do we love our neighbor, how do we get along with our neighbor. Watch this, if you will, Hillary. A certain man, the Bible says, let's let this certain man be Adam. We know that Adam was the first man, and we know that Adam was created by the hands of God. From man was taken what made him complete, made him incomplete, and God took that. Many say the rib, some say the womb, and God made a woman. God created man, and he made woman. Obviously, he put more thought in woman than he did in man. Come on, moms. Boys were made of spiders and snails and puppy dog tails. Girls were made of sugar and spice and everything nice. So there was a certain man that went down. And notice, if you will, where he went down from. He went from Jerusalem, that represents the house of God, to Jericho, which represents the world. When the enemy set Adam up for a fall, Adam lost his relationship with God. He lost that ability to communicate with God every single day in the cool of the evening. He fell from grace. He fell from that place where he had dominion over the entire world, over the earth, over everything that flied, over everything that swam, over everything that crawled, everything that walked. God put Adam over all of that, and Adam lost it all. He lost that place in the Garden of Eden. The Garden of Eden was banned from him. And he went to Jericho where he had to work with weeds and thistles. And he had to work by the sweat of his brow just to provide for his family. As a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho, he fell among thieves. John 10 and 10 tells us the thief of thieves is Satan. He comes to steal, he comes to kill, and he comes to destroy. Notice what Satan did to this man. He wounded him. And that represents the calamity of mankind. We are creatures full of guilt, repression, depression, discouragement, frustration, financial error, debt, poverty, hurts, and wounds. We are a generation that is really messed up. When you realize that a man can kidnap three girls and keep them in his house for 10 years and hide them and lock them up and force them to have miscarriages and convert children all behind locked doors, you realize that we are living in a sick world. We're living in a world that's becoming stared by the influence of Satan, by the prince of the power, by all the territorial generational spirits. We are in trouble. The Bible says that after he wounded him, he left him. Let me tell you something. The devil is not your buddy. He's not going to hang out with you. He's not going to party with you. When he gets you into a place of completely utter, utter confusion and frustration, he throws you to trash bin and he leaves you alone. But aren't you glad there's a friend that's sick and closer than a brother that never abandons us, never fails us, never forsakes us. I'm getting ahead of myself. Let me back off a little bit. The Bible said that the, the thief left him half dead. One of her favorite movies around the Davis house is called Princess Bride. And in the movie Princess Bride, the guy appears to be dead. So they take him to some, to, uh, I think it's Billy Crystal, I forgot who the woman actress is, but they lay him down and Billy Crystal looks at him and said, he's not dead, he's almost dead. So there's a difference from being dead and almost dead. We find that Adam was left half dead. But watch this guys. He lived another 930 years after he ate of the fruit, and he fell from the grace of God. He did not die physically, but he died spiritually. The word outer darkness, to be forever separated from God, the presence of God, the love of God, that's being dead spiritually. But aren't you glad that there is seed on the inside of you called the seed of salvation, and you can birth that seed, ignite that seed, you can call upon the name of the Lord, and you can have the power of God, and you can walk with God, and have favor with God. Adam lost all of that. Not only did he leave him half dead, but the Bible says the priest, by chance, happened. I'm, I, let, let, me, let me back up one. He lost his covering. Look at somebody say, he lost, he lost his, covering. his covering. In the garden, Adam and Eve were clothed with the glory of God. When the enemy tempted them and they ate of the fruit and they fell, they lost that covering and realized that they were naked 
and they attempted to cover themselves up as we have been doing for the rest of our life, always trying to cover our mistakes, always trying to make somebody else look bad. The man blamed the woman, the woman blamed the snake. The snake couldn't blame anybody because he was responsible, but he lost his covering. But aren't you glad now that you can put on the garment of praise, the helmet of salvation, the, the loins with the righteousness of God, the, fe the peace of God, all that God has blessed us with. You're an exciting bunch tonight, and I'm excited to share this word with you. By chance, by chance, would you find where LT is at? Thank you. Half this message I wrote from him when he's not here to hear it. Little detour there. Sorry about that. I got a new son now I'm responsible for him. He's not in the sanctuary where he's supposed to be. I want to find out where he's at. Is that okay? Thank you. Okay, by chance, a priest happened to come by. By chance. Let me be very careful when I say Pastor Ron said it so well. She said it. She said it politically correct. There are a lot of churches in the community that do a lot of things. But I think the church has lost its main vision, its main purpose, and its main destiny. The Bible says that we are called to feed the hungry, we're called to clothe the naked, and we're called to visit those in prison. There's a reason why God put the church upon the face of the earth so people could come, be blessed, be helped. If we're not careful, we'll make it about stained glass windows. If we're not careful, we'll make it about who has the highest steeple in the city. If we're not careful, we'll make it about who has the greatest sound system or the greatest children's ministry. And we miss the whole purpose. And by chance, we're ministering and we're not doing the work of the Lord. I mean, I'm very careful what I say. I'm not being judgmental or critical, but I'm telling you why the church is in trouble today. If you get your paper out and you see who's the, the recently most converted rock star or Hollywood movie star and you go to that church to be entertained, we are in trouble. Let somebody in this house say amen. The priest came by, saw him, went on the other side of the road. I've been in places where I've had pastors tell me, I don't want those kind of people in this house. And I'll just tell you, I went to a killer black church. They rock and roll. I preached two hours solid. There's an organ the whole time. The organ was playing less preaching. We had a great move. We had a great ministry. I went to a similar God just a few blocks over. The, the black congregation found out I was going to be there, and they, a whole bunch of them come, and it was a great service, and the pastor told me he didn't want them to come back. I'd never seen that before in my life. I was not raised, I was not raised uh, in, in kind of, there was no racial slurs in my home. I never, I always grew up, we honored everybody, and I was very much surprised. But when churches decide who they want to attend and who they don't want to attend, and when they go just after the baby boomer or just after the yuppie or just after the neighborhood that has money, we have lost our focus, we've lost our vision, and we need to regroup, we need to refocus and do the work of the Lord. Somebody give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Saw him, couldn't help him, passed by on the side. Along came a Levite. A Levite represents the law. Let me talk about physical law and spiritual law. There is no one in life right now that's more disappointed in, in physical law than I am. I spend hours and hours and hours with kids that are in trouble. Kids have broken the law. Kids have done one thing or another. But society, the law, makes it almost impossible for them to get a job. Makes it impossible to pay their bond. Makes it impossible to get caught up on child support. It's almost a lose-lose scenario. And a lot of would say, why, why care? Why bother? Why not just give them food stamps? Why not just, why not just go back and, and, and do drugs? Because the law has made it so difficult for restoration. And I know there's, I know there's legitimate reasons to find. I know there's legitimate reasons to. I understand all of that. But I believe it's so out of order. And I speak because I spend days of the week in a courthouse and watching over and over and over fines impaired that I, I know they'll never pay it. I know they'll never be able to get out of the hole they're in. And let's pray that God will bring a revival of this nation, turn around that we can not just visit those in prison, but release those in prison to have a second chance. The, the Levite couldn't help him. He passed by on the other side of the road. But the Bible says, aren't you glad? A certain Samaritan. We know from the story of the woman at the well who was a Samaritan, we know that a Samaritan was considered a cursed generation came not from the loins of Abraham, but from the loins of, of Ishmael. 
And so the Samaritans were considered inferior. They were considered cursed by God. And we see that Jesus, who took upon himself the curse of mankind, the curse of sin, we see a certain Samaritan by the name of Jesus as he journeyed. Matthew, he was headed somewhere. He had a destiny. He had a purpose. And here's what he said. Father, should I say, save me from this hour? But for this hour came I into the world. He told the disciples, my time is at hand. I was born to die. I'm headed to the cross. He had a plan. He had a destiny. He had a purpose. But on the way to the cross, he had time to stop and minister to the guy that had been beaten, that had been broken. The Bible says that he saw him. Aren't you glad that you've been seen by the Lord? Yes. What's, what's this? What's this? What's the story when he told Nathaniel, I saw you over by the tree. It blew Nathaniel's mind. Aren't you glad that Jesus had taken time out of his busy schedule to find you, to see you, found you in your brokenness, found you in your blood, found you uncleanness, and came and did not leave you the way he found you, but he picked you up, put you on a new journey, a rock, a new song, a new opportunity, a brand new way to serve God. Does that excite anybody in this house? Did you see him? Wendy, but he had compassion on him. Which reminds me of the greatest sentence ever spoken. Of all, of all time. Of the greatest sentence ever spoken. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but should have everlasting life. For God sent not his son to the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved. And this is condemnation that darkness came to the world and men preferred darkness of light because their deeds were evil. But aren't you glad that once you touch the presence of God and the hand of God you don't want to live that life anymore? You don't want to walk that path anymore? That old Negro spiritual says don't look for me to be in the place I used to be there's been a change in me. I've found a better way. Since I found the church and found a place to pray, there's been a change in me. I've found a better way. It's a highway of holiness. None can walk up there but the pure of heart. Aren't you glad that there's a path that we can walk that God has ordained and watches over? Somebody praise the Lord with me in this house. Didn't just have compassion, but he went to him. Look at somebody say, he went to him. I love that song that says he was there all the time, waiting patiently in line. He was there all the time. I also like that song that we sang years ago that said, he, I think it was uh, Lenny Wolf that sang, he was reaching for me. Even though I was in the gutter, he left the portals of glory and came and got in the gutter with me and lifted me out of that gutter and gave me a brand new life. It said it bound up his wounds. The good Samaritan had it bound up his wounds. I'm reminded by Isaiah that says he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of peace upon him and with his stripes we are healed. 400 years before Jesus was born, Isaiah prophesied that he would be beaten and his stripes would provide healing. 20 years later, Peter looks back at the cross and says, by his stripes you are healed. Something about stripes, 39 stripes, there are 39 major diseases in the world. Every major disease falls in the category of 39. Doesn't matter how long the name is, no matter how threatening it sounds, doesn't matter how bad it seems, there was a stripe taken upon the back of Jesus for your cancer, for your high blood pressure for your sugar diabetes for all the things that's coming against you aren't you glad that he was wounded for you and for me after he bound up his wounds the bible says he poured in the oil and the wine oil and wine represent the holy spirit oil represents anointing wine represents joy aren't you glad that when you come to god there is joy unspeakable and full of glory and aren't you glad that it's the anointing that breaks the yoke of anything that can come against us the power of god can set us free from any hole that we dug for ourselves any pit that we're in the power of god the anointing of god could come to where we're at and lift us out of that pit and set us where he wants us to sit someone say praise the lord, praise the lord. he carried him on his own beast he didn't delegate it to somebody else and thank God that we are carried by the presence and the power of God. He said that our name is engraved in the palm of his hand. When he holds up his hand, he sees our name. He's reminded of us. He loves us. And let me say this. If God has a wallet, your picture is in it. And just like that, that, that proud grandpa, grandma showing off those pictures, this week I'll be showing off the picture of a big bass that I caught. Uh, but, but if God has a wallet, look at my child. Have you looked at Job? Have you looked at my children? Aren't you glad that God has an army that is not counterfeit, that is not backslidden, that is not cold, that is not lukewarm, but is on fire for God, wanting God to do everything that God said he would do? 
Amen. Did just put him on his own beast, but he brought him to an end. And I believe this is the church of Jesus Christ. I believe this is the place that God wants those that are wounded, those that are hurt. I believe that God wants them to be here. The Bible says he brought them to the end and he took care of them. Where two or three are gathered in his name, there he is in the midst of them. The Bible says you'll come in one way and leave another. You won't leave feeling the way you did when you came in because the presence of God, the glory of God is supposed to bless you, touch you, and change your life forever. The Bible says tomorrow. I love that song that says tomorrow, tomorrow, you're only a day away tomorrow. The Bible says the promises of God are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. That, that means no matter how bad you miss the, day, miss the day up, today's about to be over, the sun's going to go down, the moon's going to come out, in the morning the sun will come up, and you'll have a chance to start all over again. You can't, you can't cry over the things you failed to do. You can't cry over the decisions you didn't make. But the promises of God are yea and amen through Christ Jesus. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching for the things that God has for us. Does that excite anybody in the building? The Bible says that when he departed, he said in John 14, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And on that day when he resurrected from the grave and all the disciples and several hundred people were there, the Bible says that the, the, the power of God took Jesus up in the clouds and the angel said, Why are you peering into glory? This same Jesus that you saw leave is going to come back in like manner. He didn't bring us this far to leave us. He didn't build his home in us to move away. He didn't teach us to swim to let us down. He's still part of the plan. And he said, I am right now working feverishly, preparing a place for you. He'd been gone 2,000 years working on my home. Look what a good job he did in six days. Look at the glory of Niagara Falls. Look at, the, look at all of the perennials, all the trees, all the lakes, all the rivers, all the waterfalls. He did that in six days. He's been gone 2,000 years working on a place for you and I. And Paul said, I is not seen, ear not heard, neither entered the imagination of the heart of men, the things that God has prepared for them. He knows what you like. He knows your favorite color. He knows your favorite flower. He's building a place right now. He's a master carpenter. He's a contract developer and he's going to do it right. Someone say praise God. When he departed, he gave the innkeeper, the church, two pence. It's important to know the money system of that day. In that day, and we, we told you about the widow's might, but in that day, two pence, Wendy, was enough finances for room and board for two days. He gave the innkeeper enough money to sustain for two days. We know a thousand years is a day. A day is a thousand years. Jesus has been gone two thousand years, which in God's calendar is, help me, two days. The Lord's been gone two days. He gave the church two pence to take care of this man. And here's what he said. Let me, let me, let me, let me finish this up. Whatever you spend, the Bible says, He that lendeth to the poor lendeth to the Lord, and the Lord repay. Whatever you spend, when I come again, Titus 2 and 13, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. He's going to come back. The angel said it. It's been prophesied. It's been declared. In our heart of hearts, we know that he's going to come separate the goats from the sheep. He's going to say, well done. I'm getting ahead of myself. When I come again, I will repay you. He's going to say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. I was hungry, you fed me. I was naked, you clothed me. I was in prison, you came to see me. And we're going to say this. When did I see you hungry? When did I see you naked? When did I see you in prison? And Jesus' revelation about our neighbor. When you've done it to the least of these, you love the Lord your God and your neighbor as yourself. When you love someone Jesus loves, you're loving God. Let me say it again. When you love someone that Jesus loves, you're loving God. And Jesus loves the poorest, the most destitute, the most crippled, the most wounded. He said to this, he said this to the church, I did not come, Pastor Hasey, if you'll help me, I did not come for the healthy, but I came for the sick. And thank God we can swallow our pride long enough to, to admit we are sick. We have challenges. There are frustrations. 
But that's why God said, I will come and I will turn your life around and I'll give you a new start. Aren't you glad for the power and the favor of God? Well done, thy good and faithful servant. Why? Because I loved my neighbor as I loved myself. Let me tell you how much I love myself. Every week, I buy me a gallon of Rocky Road ice cream and pistachio almond. I haven't yet learned how to make those recipes. I make them for you. At least three times a week, maybe four, I do Taco Bell. One or two mornings a week is Cracker Barrel. I love myself. I have 50 sports jackets. I have 40 pairs of shoes. Pastor AC has over 100 pairs. Pastor AC has over 100 pairs of shoes. Over 100. I got up this morning. I got up this morning and took great care not to cut myself shaving. I took the shaving cream out of my ear. I, I parted every, every, I sprayed it down. I got some happy. I got my vehicle that has air conditioning and a stereo. This morning I was listening to ZZ Top on the way to church. I'm not going to be honest with you. I got a bass boat. I got a jet ski. I got 3,100 guns. 2,100 arrows. Not that many guns, but probably that many arrows. I, I, I love taking care of myself. I took Pastor Rhonda and my baby this week to see a movie. I love that. We're getting ready to go in June. We're going to preach at a... If you're going to preach in one church, I'm going to preach at another. We're going to spend quality time together. I'm going to get in the back seat and watch DVDs, Father the Bride, while she's driving. That's how much I love myself. I'm going to the Lexus shop, make sure that Eric, making sure everything rides... Everything. I love, I'm telling you, I love myself. I think I'm all that in a bag of chips. I buy myself my own birthday present. I buy myself on Christmas. And even Christmas. Come on. Jesus said... As much as you love yourself, so are you to love the indigent. So are you to love the gender challenged. So are you to love the alcoholic, the murderer, the child molester. That's how much, as much as I love myself. And I love myself a lot. Let me tell everybody in this building something. People are watching your life. They're listening to what you have to say. And it's important what you say because they're listening to what you have to say. They're watching how you respond when you're cut off. They're watching how you respond. Um, something happened a couple, what happened a couple days ago? Someone threw a word to us and we were so nice back. I forgot what it was. Something. They're watching that. People are watching that. I told you this story about the Denny's restaurant where I took the couple in to feed them and, and they were so disrespectful and they were so unappreciative. And the waitress came over crying and said, I saw what you did. I saw what you did. I'm going to come to church. People are watching your life. Several, 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 several years ago, a young man graduated from seminary, felt the call of God in his life to go to China, learn the Chinese language, which is one of the most difficult languages, dialects upon the face of the earth. Learned it. The rep from his denomination told him, that off the coast of China, there was a small island. And this island had, had exhibited some interest in one of the missionaries coming and sharing the gospel. He said, I'll go. I'll go. I feel called. I, I'm going. They didn't have jets. They had boat, race boats. They had those big old freighters. Booked a ticket on the freighter. And the, and the boat took him right to this island. Had a dock there. Took him right to this island. Docked and got out. Walked into the village and they have no air conditioning, there's no electricity, no heat, no air. So every day at noon, the villagers would come to the marketplace and there they would trade a squash for a head of lettuce. There they would trade a chicken for two fish. And so in the afternoon when all the villagers were bartering, he would go and hit an old box he would stand on. And every day he would tell the same story. The story of a man called Jesus who left a place called heaven, that died in a place called Calvary, that rose from the grave, is one day coming back for whosoever will ask Jesus into their heart. Teresa, he preached day after day after day after day. Days turned into weeks, weeks turned into months. Five years later. But listen, not one convert, not one Christian, not one disciple, 
He got very discouraged. I think I'd have got discouraged the first three weeks. Got very discouraged. Sent a cable home, asked his family if they would send a ship for him. He was done on that island. Very discouraged, very, very, very depressed, just, just frustrated. The boat came, parked at the dock, let the plate down, got everything he owned, put in that little wood box, wasn't a whole lot. And he carried it across the, across the dock and set it down on the ship there. And he put his hands on the rail and he looked at that island where Susan had spent five years of his life. They fired the motor up, ship pulls away from the dock, begins to sail parallel along the beach. And, has, and as he's looking, Angel, at this island, he sees this old, old, old black Chinese man, old Chinese man, running keeping up with the boat. As he looked, he saw this old, old, old Chinese man stop and say, Missionary, you're leaving us today. We never had a missionary before. We'll probably never have a missionary again. Every day I've been watching you come to my village. Every day I've heard you talk about this man called Jesus and all the miracles he performed. And one day when no one was looking, I gave my heart to God. The missionary, before you leave, would you say his name just one more time? Tears began to flow in the face of that missionary, and he shouted back, His name is Jesus. An hour later, he walked into the office, walked into the, whatever they call it, where the captain hangs out there. And he said, Captain, would you mind turning this boat around and taking me back to that island? Captain said, well, yeah. He said, but we went a long ways out of our way to get you. I thought you were done here. I thought God was finished with you. I thought, I thought your, your season here was over. He said, I thought so too. He said, but Captain, there's one there that wants to hear his name. And as long as there's one, God's not done with me yet. Took him back to that island. Within a year, 90% of the village had committed their hearts to Jesus Christ. And there's still a healthy church there today that loves the name of Jesus. How are you using it? As a byword, as a cuss word? Or is it a word that you live by? I have very few dreams. I'm sure I have a lot of dreams. There's, there's few dreams that I remember. Most people in my life that know me know that my dreams come to pass. It's very, very uncanny. Pastor Ron will tell you, according to tell you, if I dream about something, it, it will usually, and I remember it, it usually come to pass. Last night of all nights, I had a dream, and trying to put all the pieces together, I thought I was in Dallas, but I must have been either in L.A., or why. I was on the fifth floor of a penthouse, a very nice, very nice penthouse, fully furnished. There were a lot of people in there. And we heard that to the south side of the house that there was a tornado coming. And we looked and sure enough there was a I'd never seen a tornado quite like this one and it was headed directly towards this 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 tall building. And so as the tornado got closer and closer I started looking for a place to hide. I couldn't find a place to hide. They always told me to go in the bathroom and get in the bathroom. I guess you go in the bathroom in case you have to use the bathroom with there and you use the tornado to come see. I'm not sure what the bathroom's all about. But I was looking for a bathroom, couldn't find a bathroom. So I just found I just found a place and I laid there on the floor. And as as the wood is beginning to blow out, as the furniture being been trashed, as wood splinters were going everywhere, right? I felt the fear. I mean, it was it was as if I was awake and really experiencing. And I've experienced a tornado. Those of you that have, you know, it's very frightening, very loud, very scary. Can do it at once. You're not sure which direction it's going to go. But I remember laying my face, and she had the only thing that I could say was Jesus. That tornado blew right through that building. I lived, looked up to sea, and there was the ocean. Donnie, there was a wave coming that was about eight foot higher than the building I was in. I said, my God, a tidal wave and a tornado? What's going on? And so you know me, type A personality. Everybody, find a corner, get in the corner. The waves, hang on. 
wave completely, completely engulfed the building, completely knocked the building to shreds. I found myself holding on to some kind of, couldn't tell what it was, but it was something that floated. And there was a nine-year-old, I don't know how I knew it was nine. There was a nine-year-old boy holding on the float with me. And I said, you want to ride this puppy out? He said, let's ride. I said, okay, you hold on. And we held on, and the tidal wave came, and we kind of surfed it. We kind of surfed it. It was really cool. And you, you guys know that I'm a surfer from Huntington Beach and Waikiki and all that. So we kind of surfed the, we kind of surfed the wave, we kind of surfed the wave in. And then as we got close to the beach, I felt, I just felt something right behind me. And I was just going to crack you up. But Jesus was floating on his own life preserver right there with us the whole time. And it was a typical Jesus, long hair, the beard, all, the, all of that. And I'm thinking, even in my dreams, even in my dreams, when terror comes, when fear comes, when panic comes, when trouble comes, there's just something about that name. Kings and kingdoms have all passed away, but there's something about that name. And when you live in that, when you live in that relationship, when, when, when that, that's your closest friend and you're living that life to please him. Neighbors are watching your life. People are watching your life. And they'll say to you as they did to me, if I ever go to church, I'm going to your church. Because you display the actions of a Christian. As every head is bowed, as every eye is closed. Thank you, Lord, for coming to my dream. I always knew that you were a surfer at heart. Thank you, Lord, for bringing so many people into our life. Lord, they don't all smell good. They don't all have it together. They aren't all that in a bag of chips. But Lord, you said to be careful how we treat our neighbor. Be careful how we treat a stranger. That we could be ministering to one of, one of the least. Open our hearts, open our spirit, let us walk in love. Let us learn how to forgive. And let us remember to whom much is forgiven. And God, you've forgiven us of so much junk, so much stuff, so much drama, so much sin, so much garbage. Because of what you've done for us, we can risk loving somebody else. We can risk stepping out of the box. We can risk being a light in a dark place. And if no one acts like they're listening, if no one's paying attention, let us always remember someone is watching. Someone is listening. As every head is bowed, as every eye is closed, if you're away from the Lord today and you know it, 